You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Let's talk about Pim. Yeah. Let's talk about Pim. Let's talk about Pim. Welcome to Pim Talk the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. Today we're going to talk about the distribution dilemma that many B2B companies face. And we're going to do that with Nick Schulte, Vice President of Shift7 Digital. And we're going to look at the business drivers, the problems and opportunities, and also the considerations that you might need to have before you take one initiative like this to, to handle this challenge. It's time for a PIM talk. So today I'm very happy to have Nick from Shift7 on the call. Welcome to PIM Talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So uh, could you tell a little bit more about yourself and, uh, and Shift7 as a company? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Nick Schulte. Uh, I am a vice president here at Shift7 Digital. Uh, I lead our, our e-commerce practice and our PIM practice. Um, which means I run our delivery organization uh, that uh, services our clients with those types of solutions, meaning our uh, all the project work that we do with our clients for e-commerce and PIM. We have projects and implementations with project managers, with business analysts, with technical lead developers, testers, uh, creative uh, people, and those 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 folks and those teams running those those programs are the folks on my team and what I oversee. Um, a little bit about Shift Seven. So Shift Seven Digital is exclusively focused on B two B, and within B two B specifically on um, manufacturing and distribution. And we focus on a specific set of clients within the, the within that vertical that are in uh, sort of a, a middle um, revenue uh, tier of, of say, you know, $1 billion to, to $5 billion. Um, and we primarily work with, with our clients in a specific set of services, um, all really digital in nature, but ranging from experience design to technology platforms, which is content commerce PIM, uh, solutions, and then we have a digital marketing and digital strategy practice, as well as uh, managed services, which is hosting and application support. Okay, and now we are in your office in Chicago, and you're actually just right across the street from our office in Chicago. I know. Imagine the irony in that. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's good. It, it's the same as we have in Malmo. We actually have, I think, three different implementation partners just across the street. So besides Shift 7, what, uh, what do you do <laughs> in your life? Do, do you live here in Chicago? Do you have families, <laughs> hobbies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, I, I live in a suburb of Chicago. I have, I, I have a wife and three young kids. Uh, so my extracurricular is really dominated by my kids and their activities and just trying to keep up with them and, um, and, and be a dad and husband. All right. Uh, do you live here in uh, downtown Chicago or? No, I live in, in a suburb of Chicago, but I lived in Chicago. I lived in downtown Chicago for a number of years and it's one of the greatest places there is to live, but, uh, eventually needed to get into a suburban life with, with, with the young kids. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go out and explore Chicago. I'm actually here for the first time in my grown up life. Do you, do you have any recommendations for uh, if you're visiting Chicago, what you should do in the evenings here? Well, I think you should go and take the, the boat architectural tour and see all the sites along the river. And then at night I would go and get a steak. There are a bunch of really great, famous steakhouses in Chicago. You could pick from one of about seven and not go wrong. Okay. That sounds like a tip from the pro. Uh, I will definitely. <laughs> Good. Today, we're going to focus on uh, the distribution dilemma. So maybe you could start just uh, setting the context around that. What, what, what is happening uh, within that field right now? Sure, sure. So the distribution dilemma is really something that we've kind of coined here at Shift 7, and it talks about really the, the, the challenges that we're seeing and kind of problem statements that companies are trying to overcome in the manufacturing and distribution space. Uh, and, and really are, are things that our clients and customers are encountering every day that we're trying to help them solve. Uh, and work through. So if you think about uh, a manufacturer and, and how they sell and really do business and go to market, um, historically, manufacturers had a you know, large sales force and sales representatives that developed key relationships with their customers and sold kind of door to door and business was done over a handshake. Um, and that was really the primary mechanism, mechanism of, of selling for, for manufacturing companies, especially companies that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, over time, that, that really transitioned into a distribution model where manufacturers develop tight relationships with, uh, with distributors to help augment their sales force and, um, you know, develop exclusive relationships and co-marketing programs that they can sell through so they can reach a broader set of end customers. Uh, so their really primary relationship became the distribution channel and there'd be a number of distributors, but you know, some key distributors and maybe some less important or less volume, you know, driving distributors that would ultimately sell through the, to, to the distributors and consumer, which, um, you know, created a situation where the, the manufacturing company had very little information or uh, interaction or exposure to the end customer. And that, that lasted for a number of years and, and certainly still is in place today. 
but it's evolved. And, and where we are today is we've seen sort of a fundamental shift uh, with, with manufacturers from a selling process to a buying process into the channels that, uh, and the channels that they sell through have grown exponentially um, due to the, the shift in buying process and really the um, increase or, or sorry, change to a more empowered buyer. And really the, the increase of channels and the multitude of channels that, that manufacturers are now selling through is really therein where, where the sort of challenges have been created, but also where the opportunities now exist to really take advantage of those different channels and take advantage of how to optimize and sell through those different channels. Okay. So what are the drivers that makes company take initiatives in these areas and, and turn to, to you to help them to uh, excel in, in this shift, would you say? Sure. So, I mean, there's a few sort of key business drivers that, um, most of these organizations are are really uh, operating in order to accomplish from a business perspective. Um, and, and the three primary ones that we typically see are, are cost to serve. So, you know, they're trying to reduce their cost to serve to reach both their internal customers as well as their external customers. The second is increasing sales productivity. So um, basically increasing the sales volume, if you will, and the ability to uh, to reach more um, higher sales levels by basically touching and interacting with um, more customers. And then the third is reducing total cost of ownership and just overall sort of systems footprint, technology footprint, and just, you know, internal operational efficiencies that can be optimized. Yeah. So do you, do you see a difference when, when it comes to different kinds of uh, companies within different fields uh, who's the um, the first adopters who are you know the ones that are lagging a bit behind can we see any such trends um well i, I think that you know there's in in every industry uh and and market vertical i think you're going to see you know especially from a technology perspective early adopters and 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 laggards, if you will, of um, you know people that are that are eager to do something first, and then are, are maybe more scared, or maybe not scared the right word, but but are are kind of waiting till something is proven. Um, and I think you know in general, in 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 uh, in B two B and in in manufacturing distribution in that space specifically, there's probably a tendency to be less early adopters, um, you know, than, than maybe, you know, retail or, um, you know, a, a uh, more consumer facing industry, but whether you're an early adopter or not, I mean, the, the problem statement and the challenges that, that these companies are trying to overcome are, are usually fairly common or fairly similar. You're listening to PimTalk, the product marketing podcast. Today we are talking to Nick Schulte from Shift7 Digital about the distribution dilemma. And after this short break, we're going to return and talk about the risks, the challenges and the opportunities that B2B customers have 
in this field. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. So what would be the risk if you don't do this transition and uh, and uh, work with a new way of managing your um, uh, to support the buying process well so uh, let me just sort of explain some of the challenges that these organizations are facing and that will lead to some of the opportunities that they have in the in the areas to focus on to overcome some of those so as i explained initially you're up front you know the the traditional sales strategies have evolved, they're changing, and they've been, you know, disrupted in large part to companies like Amazon. I mean, Amazon for, you know, first and foremost, but, you know, there's other um, other players in the, in the space other than just Amazon that are creating disruption, but then changes in buying behavior as well. You know, millennials with shifting expectations from a digital experience, from an offline experience to a digital experience or an online experience and the way in which they want to interact with people that they're buying from. I mean, those, the, the fact of the matter is whether you're, you are a millennial or not, you're accustomed to a, a retail like buying experience in all facets of your, of your personal life. And so those expectations come into your, your business or your uh, work life as well and become the things that are, are, you know, sort of becoming table stakes in, in the B2B world as well that, that need to be, you know, need to be taken into consideration as far as how you engage with your customer. Uh, so, so those sales strategies have been disrupted and the buying behavior has changed. And then manufacturing exec- executives are being challenged to, to drive additional revenue growth, but that can't necessarily be realized through traditional sales channels. Um, so, What's been done today might not have as much room for growth, and additional uh, channels need to be explored for growth. So, so what would um, this be? You mentioned that it's not enough with the traditional sales channels. What would be other new channels that they could use or explore? Sure. So, I mean, and this gets to kind of where the opportunity is, right? So, from a channel perspective, and and how technology enables these channels perspective. You know, it really all starts with what, why these companies are in business in the first place. They're in business to sell more product or sell a product. So getting the right information into the hands of the right people when and where they want to buy is, is really the, the opportunity currently. So if you go back in time, you think about, I just got to get my product information and the different pieces of collateral and all the right assets, imagery, documentation, specifications that the end buyer needs. I just need to get it to my sales force because they're just, they're selling, you know, to their existing customers. And, and then where that's evolved is now I need to distribute that information to my distribution channel, which has become my largest channel, but is just one channel. I need to get my product information out to, to that group, to those folks. I, I might be selling to a, 
you know, selling to those distributors on my own website through a B2B e-commerce experience. Uh, I need to get that information to that site. I might be selling potentially to an end consumer in some way. That's probably the, the least likely scenario for, for many of these companies, at least now. That's an Sometimes opportunity in the future. Sometimes aftermarket sales or so. Yeah. yeah, so then I have all of my retail channels that I could be present with Amazon or Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or other syndication channels through you know, Google manufacturing or, or kind of other, you know, marketplaces that I need to distribute information to. And then there are, there are other channels as well. I mean, I, I'm accepting information from suppliers, so I need to maximize that channel and how I get content in if I'm a distributor. And then I could be using, utilizing, uh, you know, a CPQ engine or some sort of Salesforce tool yeah, to because, reach uh, my Salesforce in a mobile fashion. Yeah, and you mentioned CPQ, and I, and I think it's interesting because when it comes to more complex products, you have traditionally been dependent on your Salesforce, so they can explain all the different options and and how to really customize a, a particular product. But uh, now you need to provide that knowledge, so to speak, in a digital way uh, for for the consumer, so you can get the right um, guidance through that process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So all of these uh, different sort of experiences or channels that I just described require, you know, a different, you know, it, it, or, or presents a different touch point with the consumer um, or with the or with the distributor or with some sort of experience along the way where I'm interacting with with these customers and giving the and representing the data to them that they need ultimately to make a purchase. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's for is to inform a purchase, to inform a sale and having the, the accurate and correct product information to get into the hands uh, of each of those end consumers through those channels, be it truly an end consumer or be it a distributor or be it a marketplace so they have the right information to meet the customer demands for what they're looking to understand about your product that can ultimately inform that that purchase when and where they need it. Yeah. So if we go to the how, if a company really wants to uh, to do this uh, in a good way, so where do you start? Uh, what buy-in do you have to have from uh, the organization? strategy, software, processes, how, how do you go about in a situation like this when, when you basically have to transform a company maybe in how they are distributing their content and how they help their customers uh, to buy their products? So, I mean, we're talking to our customers about this all the time. Um, they, they recognize that they need to distribute product and content across all these channels. Uh, each one of them have their own set of requirements as to how they can accept data, how they can process data. Uh, and there just isn't enough, um, you know, there's enough internal knowledge typically to, to understand how to do all those things as well as potentially identifying a tool that could help them. They could help them some with, with that, to, to achieve some of those results that they're looking for. So, so we'd start talking to our clients to understand that the business challenges that they have and what they're trying to achieve, similar to the, 
to kind of what I just walked us through earlier. Um, and then we would spend really more time in sort of a deeper dive with the, uh, the various sort of data repositories that they have today, um, how they're being used, uh, where they, where they're actually live and what system, and then maybe where they're being sent to as far as downstream. So we can start to think about the data that lives upstream and is kind of source data that we could then put into a central repository for uh, enrichment and approval and really just kind of the central storage and aggregation for it all to be in one place. And then from there, where that data needs to go and the things that we can do centrally to set up processes to syndicate and send that data downstream, but that's all being sort of controlled in one place. So we'd have some discussions around those topics with, with our customer that would help us to understand the, the business processes that they have today, the requirements from a tools perspective that they will have in the future to help us to recommend, you know, a good platform that they could use, um, as well as the work that would be needed to, to implement that platform to, to achieve, you know, the, the things that they're trying to do out of having a system like that in place. Okay. Do you have any other particular advice or things that you should think about and not miss in the product you're, you're doing? Absolutely. So I think, you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and say, well, I know that product information is critical and we have uh, challenges with that today. Uh, so let's just go implement a system that's going to solve all of my data problems and stand it up and, and off you go. You know, it's not that easy. So certainly moving into a, a more modern or robust tool to help you manage that will be hugely important for how you manage all the channels. But there's some things to think about along the way. You know, so you have existing business processes today, existing business processes that people understand and, and are aware of, and these will likely change. Products are created in a certain system today and attributed in a certain way today. And in the future, those, those products will be, could be set up somewhere else, could be enriched, will certainly be enriched somewhere else. And the, the processes around how that data is managed will change. And it's important to understand that that will change. Then the, the data itself, I mean, every organization has different types of data, uh, different flavors, if you will. But inevitably, there's always a lot of data. There's always a lot. There's always a lot of data, and it will need to be cleansed. It can't, you know. There's as as good as the data is as you might think it is. There's going to be some issues with it, and you don't want to put bad data in because you'll get bad data out. There's no way around it. There isn't. There isn't, and it's and we don't want it to be short sighted. We want to want to think about that ahead of time and plan for it. Um, then there's uh, there's always going to be a, you know it's a new there's a new platform a new tool that's going to be implemented so there's always going to be a training component to this um, you'll receive a new tool you'll have a new tool for internal and external external parties and people need to know how it works and it, you need to take the time to think through how to do that uh, across the organization of, of, with 
of course, help from someone who, who's been working with you on it, but it's something that you need to think about internally as well. And then I think the final point I would make is it, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and, and I don't mean that there's a massive amount of work all the time, but I would think about it from a crawl, walk, run perspective. You know, not everything needs to be solved in, in phase one. I mean, think, think bigger initially. So, uh, you, you haven't, you know, missed some huge chunk of requirements that might be needed at some point in the future, but start smaller with what you can bite off and then evolve to sort of, you know, phase T, phase two, phase three, you know, phase four over time. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to implement one system and sunset five. That's, that's not a realistic way to think. So just plan for a crawl, walk, run approach. Okay. So do you have any examples from, from real life or so where there was low hanging fruit that could be picked and you could get business value quite fast? Or uh, if there was some surprise along the way that uh, presented an obstacle that um, you, uh, yeah, you didn't anticipate? Yeah, I mean, we're working with a, a customer today who has a very lengthy product setup process and and the reason for that is is really just a series of sequential steps that if if they could happen quicker or some degree could overlap a little bit uh then it could be rapidly reduce the the speed to market and ultimately the time it takes to get product on the shelf um and and just a real quick example is it, historically the the process couldn't really start in one system uh until there was a there was a full full amount of product information in that system and then from there they needed to go capture certain assets um both photography and sort of specification related assets that that took a a significant amount of time but if that process could start much sooner based on having a basic set of information uh on the product and then the enrichment could occur after that as the asset development is is running in parallel um then then that would greatly reduce some of the time where folks are just kind of waiting to start the next step and ultimately by changing the business process and accounting for that in in the, the system correctly uh we're able to reduce the the speed to market by uh 12 weeks in that right. in that situation that's huge and uh, that that is usually where the big money comes in getting the products out there so so your customer can buy them yep can't make any money if they can't buy the product no that's true so if anyone wants to find you online where can they find you yeah you can you can search for me on linkedin uh and um you know communicate that way and that's that's probably the easiest or uh you could go to our website uh shift7digital.com and and probably reach out to the the listed contact there and and then they they'd be able to get a hold of me okay then we will get into your crm system and you will get all the all the newsletters yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay so um thank you so much nick for um sharing your knowledge about the uh, distribution challenge and uh, looking forward to a continuous partnership with you guys absolutely thank you for having me
So right now I'm sitting early morning, a bit jet lagged ed editing this episode and I'm up for Pinpoint Chicago. So that's going to be on Thursday, the 4th of October. And we are very happy to announce that it's sold out. So this is going to be a great event. Many customers on stage telling us about their experiences within digital transformation, proving the value of PIM and syndication. Uh, also going to have a PIM talk live at stage with our customer Ethan Allen. I'm really looking forward to that. So I hope we will meet at Pinpoint Americas. It's going to be a great event. So we also have upcoming trainings at the InRiver Academy. So if you're a partner, you can sign up for our academy in Amsterdam, uh, October 16th. Uh, we have trainings in um, Malmö on November 14th and in Chicago on December 6th. And they are all in between two and three days. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Uh, Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And um, if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow PIM Talk on Instagram. And see you again in two weeks. Bye. Yeah.